Hey, 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 how's it going, Gold Street Garden family? Thank you for joining us for another podcast episode. This is Pastor Dominic, and I just want to thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be able to pour into your lives to reveal Jesus in greater measure to you personally. There is nothing more exhilarating than the daily rediscovery of Jesus. And what a beautiful, beautiful moment we get to share when we share it looking at the Lamb of God. We just want to let you know that if you want more info on the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. You can follow us on all the main social media platforms to stay up to date on all of what's going on in our community. We love you all and we pray that you are impacted deeply and greatly by today's episode and teaching. We love you all. God bless. Be good. But what I want you to do as we're talking about relationship, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say this, because I believed. (laughs) Turn to somebody else and say it. Because, I'll say it to you right here, right up here. (laughs) I got you because I believed. Yeah, I I saw you. I got you over there. (laughs) Because I believed. Now, The reason I want to talk about this tonight is we were just sharing it a little bit earlier. You don't understand the power of believing. This is beyond us. Like believing does something that is beyond comprehension. Believing is when you can surpass the realm of the natural and the limitations of this, this, this world and you go to a whole nother level. Did you know why the devil fights you to pray and read the word so much? Because if you pray long enough, you'll find out nothing's impossible. If you read enough scripture, you'll find out that he's got a bunch of promises for you and he wants to keep you out of prayer and keep you out of the word because if you get more ammunition to believe who he is. The enemy's in trouble. This is why you can look around the room and say, the only reason I'm even here tonight is because I believed. It's because I believed in him that I'm not dead. Like we said earlier, was there some people in this room that should be dead, but not for God? You know what I'm saying? Look, these hands are up. This is because God is not finished with them yet. That God, you see, when you believe, you get to a whole nother realm. I remember, this is a funny story I haven't shared in a little while, but you know, I was going to Bible college at the river for a few years uh, before I went on to a different uh, Bible college. And when I was at the river for, for three years, I was, I was, I was a wreck. I was, uh, you know, uh, like I, I loved Jesus and I was passionate, but I was rough around the edges, I had some things going on. And I remember there was, I was going to Bible college and it was my second year. And there was one night I was hanging out with all my, a couple of my friends from the Bible college. And we were, this is not my cocaine days. I was, I was out of that. Uh, but I'm in Bible college and we were at a Taco Bell really late at night. And you know, uh, we were out really late at Taco Bell, not making the best decisions, going to Taco Bell really late at night because that doesn't work well in the morning. You all know that very well. I'm giving you some wisdom on your way home. You know, uh, don't say that I didn't warn you that Taco Bell doesn't uh, always show up the brightest in the morning if you eat it. 
the night before. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's worth your whole night right there. But, but what took place was it was really late, and then I'm driving home solo, and this is when I did have a beater car, like a really bad car. It was, a, it was oh, man. It was a Chrysler Sebring, and it was, it, was a, it was a piece of work, I'll tell you that. Can't get into it, but nobody wanted to drive with me, put it that way. Um, I didn't even want to drive with me. So I'm headed home, and I'm in between street lights, okay? So you know like when you're driving, I'm not talking about uh, traffic lights, but you know when there's just lights on the road? I'm in between those those uh, lights, so it's really dark all of a sudden, so it's only my headlights, because I'm on a back, kind of a back road, and all of a sudden, I hit someone, and when I say I hit someone, I did not hit a vehicle, I hit a pedestrian going 45 miles per hour. You're like, you're a horrible pastor. Um, When I did this, you have to understand I thought my world was over because when I hit this man, he was dressed in all black and it was black out and he, he ran and lunged in front of my car. It was like really weird. Like I, and when it happened, he flew, it was like movies. He flew over my vehicle. Like it was just like a dummy, like, you know, just completely lifeless slammed, flew over my my vehicle, and I immediately pulled over, and there was somebody that happened to be behind me that pulled into the same place that I did, and when this all took place, I'm thinking to myself, my life is over. I'm going to, I'm going to get, like, charged with manslaughter. Like, like, I was just driving home. I'm going to Bible college. I got all these things, and I'm just thinking to myself, my life's over. I pull over, and the guy behind me gets out of his vehicle and he runs up to me and he says, I saw the whole thing. It wasn't your fault. I'm going to stay here till the cops get here to give a testimony. I didn't even, I wasn't even expecting that. I was just like, I thought that he was going to say, you jerk, how could you dare? Like, and I, my immediate thought was like, I'm going to Bible college that believes in the supernatural. I'm like, we got to go pray for this guy. We just got to, we just got to go pray. So check this out. The first cop, everybody say the first cop. The first cop that shows up on the scene. I'm in, I'm in my second year of Bible college. My first year of Bible college, there was a police officer that attended the whole year of Bible college. And I hadn't seen him since the previous year. He just graduated. The first cop on the scene at a place that was like totally different, it was him. The first cop that showed up to this crazy tragedy in, my, in, this, in this situation was a cop I went to Bible college with, and he came up and said, let's pray for him together. And we're all praying for him, and it was a very, it was a, obviously it was a, a tragic thing. The man was found to be heavily on drugs and he, he did, he lunged right out, but he, he, he survived and he, he, was, he was fine later on when things kind of came to, to pass and all that. But the reason I bring this, this story up is when I say because I believed, we'll find there's situations that are just so crazy where you think 
that everything is over. And God will just show you that things in the moment that when you just stay and you believe and you're staying on your course, that even when something crazy goes, you say, no, I know God positioned me to be here right now. I know that this looks really bad. I know that, but, but all of a sudden he'll start sending people in your sphere, start sending things around that, that just show his faithfulness in the moment. So turn to somebody again and say, because I believed. It's because I believed. And, and you have to remind everybody here because there's going to be days you don't feel like believing. You're going to feel like leaning on the way you feel. You're going to feel like, uh, you're just going to feel like everything's falling apart. The finances just aren't really there right now. My job and this. And you have to you have to remind each other and remind yourself just like David did. David had to sometimes say, soul, praise the Lord. He had to tell himself that I'm not going to allow my feelings to dictate my destiny, but I'm going to go into a place that says, I believe. And he brought me from a path of destruction onto a narrow path that is headed to my destiny. And even when I don't feel like it, even when people are coming against me even when people say you'll never make it even when people got are just trying to diagnose you and say that this is going to take place you have to say I believed up to this point and I'm gonna keep believing because my God is faithful you see the reason we believe is because he's faithful the reason you're full of faith is because he's faithful. When you think of names just in general, a name reveals the character of that brand or that person. You know, there's high profile names that if I just said the name, and we've done this before, but if I say Donald Trump, All of a sudden, you begin, there's different measurements in the room going on, and you'll base that name based off the actions and words of that individual. If I say, Joe Biden, <laughs> somebody, started, somebody started manifesting, <laughs> but you know, but, uh, but when I say a name, it reveals it reveals someone's actions. It reveals someone's, someone's whatever in, that, in their sphere. But here, I want to take it a step further because we're not talking about this. When I say Jesus, what's the first thing you think of? You see, you, we're hearing some things. Love, we're hearing these. All, what's so powerful about God is it says before the foundation of the earth, Christ was crucified. This means that his love for you was final before your arrival. That God's love is never pending, it's never ending. We get to this place that God actually had the grand finale at the beginning that Christ being crucified was before everything began because his love can never be outdone 
It can never be triumphed. It can never be. It was something that was done because we, he built eternity off of Jesus being crucified. I, I always like to remind people that Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross was not God's backup plan. It was his perfect plan. Like it wasn't man fell and God said, oh, we got to put Jesus on the cross now. It was everything was lined up that it says that there's no greater love than one who lays down his life for his friends. So the only way you can know what greater love was, was if you saw a God that chose you even in the midst of you not choosing him. It says that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This is how he, it says this is how God demonstrates his love towards us, that he died for us while we were yet sinners. You wouldn't even know what a demonstration of love was unless he died for you when you did not choose him to show you that he wants you to choose him, not robotically serve him. It was great when Alan Hood was here. He brought that up. Like if God wanted to, he could have just made you a slave from the beginning, but he actually chose you for love. Isn't that amazing? So turn to somebody again, says, because I believed. Now there's, there's, when we talk about character and names in Genesis chapter three, you don't have to turn there. In fact, go to Daniel chapter six and I'll meet you there. When we talk about names and character, God's character is built on faithfulness. It's built on love. You see, God's faithfulness is not determined by your circumstance or situation. His faithfulness is established by who he is. And that's where people miss it sometimes because they, they think God is the, is the reason and the result for their situation not realizing that God is the one that can lead you through and lead you out of even your own mess. That's a beautiful thing. Some of you have made messes. <laughs> is it, would we all, you know, some, of, some people have made some messes and God's even faithful to help you get out of that if you turn your heart and begin to tune in to what he has to say. But all the way back in Genesis chapter three, do you know when God gave Adam and Eve dominion, said he actually created a utopia for them, a paradise, and said, you can eat whatever you want, do whatever you want. Isn't that amazing? He just said, there's just one thing. You just can't eat of this tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This is the one thing. Did you notice that when the enemy comes on the scene in Genesis 3 as a serpent, when he comes as a snake, he doesn't tell Eve to kill her husband. He doesn't tell Eve to steal from Adam. Doesn't even, tell, doesn't even tell her to lie to Adam. You know what the enemy does? Is the enemy attacks the character of God. He says, did God really say that? And the reason he says, God knows the only reason he doesn't want you to eat that, because if you do, you'll be just like him. They were already like him. They were already made in his image. But what happens is the enemy's main goal is to get you to question God's integrity. 
You got to say, you got to get that tonight, that when lies get put in your head with situations that could be really real in your life, what God is trying to do is to get you to question his faithfulness, question his love for you, question that maybe God, maybe God helps other people out, but maybe I've just done too much and that's why I'm continuing to be in this place. You see, the enemy will lie to you. He will put things in your head and if anything in your mind questions the character of God, you have to fight it with everything. It's, it's, uh, we talked about it at men's group Sunday. You got to have spiritual bouncers up in your mind. You know what I'm saying? You know what a bouncer is? It means that as soon as somebody comes into the club of your mind, that you got somebody up there that's escorting them out of the building, holding them by the collar, saying, no, we are not thinking that way. We are not living. He is faithful. He has come through for my family. He's come through for me. I've read a whole book of how he's come through a whole bunch of people that have made mistakes. You got to be at a place that you are not allowing this thing to roam and begin to question God. And you know what else God will do? Or you know what else the enemy will do? Is he will get you to question people in your life that love the Lord. He'll get you to question spiritual leaders. He'll get you to, because what, is, what, is, what even happens in the world right now? If you go on YouTube, I bet you have a minister you really like to listen to. And if you... Google something, there's somebody out there that's calling him a false teacher, right? There are people that dedicate their whole day to calling people that are having a great impact around the world false teachers. What account are they going to give when they get to heaven? Like, Lord, I made a YouTube channel and I challenge all the false teachers and all. And it's like, what? Like, we have to be really watchful with this. I don't know if I ever shared this story with you, but I feel led to share it real quick. John G. Lake, because who's heard of John G. Lake before? This, this changed my perspective so much. You ready to hear this? John G. Lake, he would send missionaries out, and he was, he was used so much in the supernatural. Uh, I could go through the testimonies, but one of the things that he did is he would send missionaries overseas to different places, and there was a ministry partner of his that didn't like a decision he made and you know what he did he spread a rumor about John G Lake that he was having an affair with his wife and you know what happened people stopped giving to the ministry because of this rumor and you know what happened next John G Lake had to tell all the missionaries that hey we're not getting enough funding right now why don't you pull back and then we'll We'll get things together after this little storm blows over and everybody sees that it was just a big lie. It was just an integrity. You know, the missionaries said, they said, we're not here because you're funding us. We're here because God told us to be here. Isn't that an amazing response? There's only one sad detail. Some of those missionaries ended up dying because there wasn't enough in some arenas. What is that man going to have to give an account for, for just starting a, a, a lie. And I know that's a great, ex that's a very grave example. You know what that taught me? That taught me that I need to be watchful when I just want to make an assumption about a certain minister. You know, like for instance, I'll give you an example, like Joel Osteen. You know, there's people in this room that even when you hear his name, you, you start vomiting in your mouth. <laughs> and I, I want you to know that that's not good. 
Because, and this is why I want to say that to you right now, is I've been ministering at places and somebody would come up to me after service and said, you know what, the other day I've been running from the Lord and I happened to turn my TV on and saw Joel Osteen and it made me think I needed to be in church and I came here today. And when I heard that, it made me say, I'm not going to say anything bad about a man or woman of God, whether or not I agree with every little thing, because I... I don't ever want to say something bad about a minister and then they turn him on or or, or watching him or her and have made an assumption because of something I heard and they miss out what God could speak to them in the moment. I'm preaching right now. I'm helping you understand how you need to walk in integrity because the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. He will try to get you. If God is all for unity, what is the enemy all after? Division. He wants to cause division. And you just got to be able to smell it from a mile away. So when it comes to that, 1 Peter 5.8 says that the, it says be sober minded because the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I like how it says he's like a roaring lion because he doesn't have any power. But he's the toothless wonder. But what he does is he, he comes and he tries to intimidate. But he is trying to devour you. You have to understand, church, hear me. The enemy hates you. That's why he's the enemy. It says that the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Does that sound nice to you? Do you want something stolen? Do you want to be killed? Do you want to be destroyed? Then stop listening to the enemy. You know how you can tell? Read Galatians 5 and find out what the works of the flesh are. Find out what, do you know scripture will say that you won't inherit the kingdom of God if you're in gathering in unrighteous behavior. And you know, there's very strict things in the Bible that are not strict because God is a tyrant. They're to protect you, to protect your calling. I have a little girl and she's testing the bounds right now with, with her attitude and stuff. And if I just let her run shop, I'm doing the next generation an injustice. I have to make sure that she understands discipline, that she understands submission. And it's not because of tyranny. It's because of protection. Amen. So Revelation 12.10 is what says that he's the accuser of the brethren. If you are taking notes, everybody said the Lord is faithful. Hebrews 10, 23, I'm just giving you a few verses real quick. Fire them off if you're taking notes. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. How many people have promises from the Lord in your heart that you're holding on to right now? Can I remind you to to hold on? You know what? We got to start being like, hold on. <laughs> it's about to get nuts. You, you think you've seen the faithfulness of God? You think you've seen it? He's about to pour out his spirit in a way we have never seen before. We are about to see so much take place that you should be thanking the living Lord every day that you're alive in 2021 because the faithfulness of God is about to be a waterfall over you and your household, over everything that people around you are going to say what is going on with you and you're going to say because I believed 
because I believed that I would see the faithfulness of God. So, you know, I've had conversations with people in this room and conversations with myself where I've really questioned, God, I just, I don't know if I've seen this yet. Lord, am I, am I just being optimistic? And I just get this, I get this. It's like the Holy Spirit gut punches me in a loving way and just says, it's coming, boy. It's coming, boy. And I want you all to get that in your heart to know that soon as you start doubting, he's coming and he's letting you know you got to hold on. You got to hold on to that word. That's why I encourage you. You need a few scriptures that you're standing on. That like, it's like you just wake up and I, you know how the Bible says, it says it in Colossians 3, it says to set your mind on things above. Just think of that word. It says set your mind. Like you set a thermostat, right? You set a thermostat to a temperature and it, it, it keeps that temperature in the room. Do you know how you can tell what your mind's set on? This is, I'll help you. You know how you tell what your mind is set on? When you are relaxed, what does your mind go to? That's how you can tell where your mind's set. If soon as you're relaxed, all you do is think about sports. Not saying it's bad to think about sports. If you get relaxed and your mind immediately goes to food. If you're relaxed and your mind immediately, do you know that you should set your mind on things above? That means that even you should wake up in the morning and you should, it should be like, hold fast to the promises of God for he who promised this faith. It should just come out of you. you like you should just wake up and it, your mind is set. This happens. You know, there's certain things. I, I want you to know that the Lord has even dealt with me, that there was a time in my life I really dealt with some, some you know, sexual immorality from, for being, from just things in my, my life. And you know what happened is I, I memorized a verse, okay? I want to help some people out. I memorized a verse that said, cast every vain thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In 2 Corinthians 10, chapter or chapter 10, verses four through five, it says to cast it down. I memorized that verse and every time I got the urge or got tempted, I would start yelling that scripture. And it didn't, at the first time I started doing it, I may have failed, I may have stumbled a few times, but I kept being diligent about it. I kept being diligent to make sure that when the enemy came at me with the temptation, that I was set, my mind was set, that I'm not giving into this because I have a, I have a purpose to fulfill. I have something to go and I can't keep allowing this to take me out. Did you know what a temptation is? We've talked about this before. What is the prefix of temptation? Temp, which means temporal. What a temptation is, is it's the enemy's attempt to pull you out of an eternal perspective into a temporal one. He wants you to take a, counterf a counterfeit temporal pleasure in exchange for you forfeiting eternal bliss and a, a revelation of confidence and security in him. You gotta, you gotta understand this. So uh, let's go to Daniel chapter six. This is a very well-known passage of scripture. This is a beloved story. Is anybody familiar with Daniel and the lion's den? Is any, is anybody, has everybody heard this story before in some context? I really had it on my heart to comb through this because of where we're at in culture right now, where we're at. This is a word of the Lord tonight. So please do not hear this passage of scripture as I've heard this before. Say, Lord, I'm ready to hear what you're saying now. Amen. So let's read through this. It says it pleased Darius to set 
over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And when it says, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Now, what took place here, I want you to just set this, set the stage. Darius is, is right here with, he's the, he's a king over this, but if you, does anybody remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego a few chapters earlier? There was another, there was a king called Nebuchadnezzar, and he was a tyrant. What he said went, but now they're in a new system that was, that was under the Babylonian with Nebuchadnezzar, but now that they're in the, the Mede and Persian empire and now they're putting laws into place so now there's a structure does anybody believe in america we have a structure but you got to read this to kind of understand where we're at that there was a tyrant nebuchadnezzar he gets dealt with and now we're on to darius and it says that when he picked governors daniel was one now this is a pagan society do you know how old daniel is right now he is in his early to mid-80s. And he's being picked to be a governor over a pagan society and he is a full-blown believer. Did you know that even when our whole society is pagan that God is gonna raise up believers in this room to have major influence in what's going on? Do you believe that my only one? That God will raise people up. That, that Daniel... He's been living his whole life under pagan dictators. And he continues to serve the Lord faithfully. He doesn't, he's not complaining. He just continues to stay focused. He's interpreting dreams. And he's, he's going through all these things. And he just keeps moving forward. I want to encourage you that even when governments are against Christianity, even when people are breathing down your neck and saying this, if you just stay faithful, God will raise you to the top. He just will. Now, why does he do this? It says Daniel is one that might give account so that the king would suffer no loss. So they're putting Daniel in charge because they know that he's really good with keeping everything together. He's, he's got some high character. Everyone say high character. It says then, and I just want to honor right now, if you've been serving the Lord for a long time, time and what I mean by that is in, in in just human years you know going after I know that there's people in this room that have been serving the Lord for a long time I just want to honor you right now in this room if you've been going after the Lord for a long time no matter what the fact that you are still serving the Lord after so many years after so many different things that have happened can we honor you right now and just thank people in this room that have gone after the Lord no matter where where your roads have led it's important that the young generation that we honor, generation, we, we are all in this together, like Moses and Joshua, that the generation's coming together, and it's through showing honor, not one being better than the other, that it's, it's about we're all in this together loving Jesus, amen? Now, it says then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors. So now Daniel, you see, now jealousy's gonna rise up because everybody else the king picked they don't love Jesus. But for some reason, the one that loves Jesus the most is being chosen to be in charge of everything. This is what God will do. Do you know what I'm saying? That he's going to raise people up. Now keep reading. It says, 
because he had an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Character is so important. Did you know that you are constantly preaching who Jesus is, not by what you say, but how you live your life? You, we've said this before. You can preach the gospel all you want, but until your character does, no one will listen. There are people that can quote scriptures, but they live like the devil. Do you know who, who's just like that? Satan. He can quote scriptures and he lives just like himself. Do you know how? If all you do is think about yourself, you think just like the devil. Getting yourself to a place where you see that character. Character is not defined in its greatest magnitude by what you do, but what you choose not to do. And to take it even a step further, when it comes to character, character means you have made decisions before the challenges or questions even arise. What do I mean by that? That when a situation arises, your character already made a decision before it happens. It's when you begin to wonder what decision you're going to make, you're actually losing a little bit of who you are and you're allowing the situation to engrave your character. It's, and it's important that you know who he is so much that your identity is established in that, that when, if, if, for instance, I'm married to my wife, my commitment is to my wife. If another woman came up to me and said, hey, you know what, what do you think? You know, I, it would be alarms going off. I would be like, there's zero, you see, because I've already made a decision because I'm committed. There's char character makes decisions that if you're dealing with some sort of sin or dealing with something, I'm here to tell you, get more established in who you are in him. And that when the temptation arises, you lean on him because he has already made a decision that you have overcome the world. And the only reason you're falling short is because you're trying to overcome it by figuring out who you are instead of realizing he's already told you who you are. You are victorious. You are an overcomer that you can go through anything that when temptation arises he will pull you out of it because he says he makes a way where temptation is he's made an escape because God is faithful I want to remind you, some of you are saying, you just don't understand. I can't break this habit. I can't get out of this. I'm here to tell you, you don't know how good he is. I'm here to tell you, you don't know how faithful he is. You weren't there when the stone rolled. You weren't there when he rose up on high. You weren't there when he's interceding for you at the right hand of the Father. Don't tell me your situation's too far gone. He died to show you that that situation has no power over your life. I want to prophesy over some people. I will, I'm done with people going around the mountain when he has put you on top of it you need to get to a place where you are secure in him the gospel the gospel breaks the yoke of bondage the anointing the word the word I am preaching I'm telling you who he is and when you release who he is in an atmosphere when you talk about him it breaks addictions it breaks depression you came here tonight and you might have even been saying I'm just here to just kind of try this out God is saying I'm about to rock your world I want you to know that you are loved just a glimpse of his love will set you ablaze 
you'll get, you, when, you know, when you know how loved you are, you get dangerous, actually. You get dangerous. You're like, you, you start being like, wow, what got into him? I'm loved by God. <laughs> I'm loved by God. You're acting a little bit too optimistic. You're at, no, you don't understand what he did for me. I was, I was, I was dead. I was out. It was so bad. I was hooked on drugs or no matter what your past was, look at you now. Stop letting the enemy talk you out of your destiny, your promised land. All right. Above the governors, he had an excellent spirit. And then verse 4, so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. Isn't that what the enemy does? He wants to try to find something in your past to hold it against you. Have you ever been doing really well before and like things are going really well and then all of a sudden the enemy tries to trigger a memory? Oh, I see. We all know how... We got you figured out, devil. Look, we're all, we're all testifying. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. Hey, we got you figured out. When those memories get triggered up, you know what you do? I've heard it. Old Pentecost preaching. When the devil reminds you of his of your past, you remind him of his future, right? That's what you do. That when he starts coming at you and starts saying, yeah, you might be doing good, but you remember when you did this? You remember when you said that? Remember when you did? You just say, no, no. I know who that was, but that's not who I am anymore because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man Oh, woman, be in Christ Jesus. He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He's given you the ammunition to detonate darkness. Stop meditating on darkness when you've been given the light to penetrate it. You've been given, this is, this is an aurora of light that when you open this, the enemy goes, I'm melting. <laughs> I'm being real with you. He hates this, he hates this book. But the reason he hates this book is because he doesn't want a heart to believe it. The book alone isn't that, but it's when you have an open Bible and an open heart. You open fire on the enemy. <laughs> it's just heaven opens with an open Bible and an open heart. So they tried to find something against Daniel. Doesn't that sound so similar to Jesus? Remember, Jesus did nothing wrong, and they're trying to find something to crucify him over says concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Everyone say, because he was faithful. You see, when you have character and you're just going after Jesus, haters going to hate. People are going to talk bad about you. It's actually, you know, I, I want you to understand that if people aren't talking bad about you, you're probably not doing it God's way. It's just the truth that 
darkness gets exposed, the more you go, you like, this is you. When you're going towards the light, you're going towards the light, the darkness behind you, all of a sudden, they can't handle going any further in that type of light. So they start backing off and trying to convince other people to stay in the darkness. But this is, we have to, we have to keep going after what God is saying in this moment. You got to keep going forward. So when it says, was there any error or fault found in him? Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. This is crazy. They couldn't find any dirt on Daniel and the only way they could put dirt on Daniel was if they implemented a law of the land that was contrary to the law of the Lord. I wanna let you all know that real persecution doesn't start until the laws of the land con are contrary to the law of the Lord. Do you, do you get that? Do you, under, you got to understand this, that real persecution is when you have to decide that I'm doing this God's way, whether there is a consequence from the government or not. You got to say amen to that because it gets really intense what we're about to see. You see, but Daniel has been serving the Lord all of his life. He is now, he's got gray hair and he's been put in charge and he's got people that don't like that he's being promoted and they're going to find something against him. But because he believes, the enemy will always overplay his hand into God's perfect plan. When you think the enemy is getting advancing on you you know what you should do start praising the lord start worshiping god let let it's like enemy you know please because we talked about this before the enemy thought he had jesus pinned to a tree he thought that he crucified the the son of god and that it was all going to be over not realizing he was actually the instrument that brought salvation to the world the enemy is just he he's always behind and god will use him as a chess piece on his board called your masterpiece who you're supposed to be that when the enemy looks like he's getting ahead in certain arenas just thank him for making it the, the path clear for you to get right to where you need to be we said this at the men's meeting and i want to say tonight god will use other people's bad decisions to take you to your destiny yeah. That'll change the way you think and the way you live because usually when people make bad decisions, you want to be like, how dare you do that? No, no, it's like, no, I, I'm focused on Jesus. I'm going after Jesus that who will turn anything. Everyone say anything. That the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use it for my good. That I don't need to complain about the situation. I don't need to be worried about the situation. I just say, he's going to turn that into my good. Enemy, thank you for sowing into my kingdom fund. Thank you for sowing into my life, enemy, with all those attacks. I will take all those attacks and I will charge them to my eternal reward. He just, it, just change the way you perceive and think about it. So when you keep going, it says in verse six, these governors and satraps, they throw him before the king and they said to him, oh, King Darius, live forever. Everybody say, butt kissers. 
And it says, all the governors of the kingdom and the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the dens. Everyone say 30 days. Just remember that for a second. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the, of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, just, just think about this. If you were going to be God, say you wanted to, you know, somebody in this room wanted to be God for, why would you sign a paper to only make it 30 days? Like, that's stupid, right? Like, if, if, if I'm going to sign a, a paper, I, like, I want to be God until I say so. But he just signs it for 30 days. It's kind of just like, you know, this, a trial run. He's going to trial run being God for 30 days. And he signs this thing. But this is how it's proposed to him because the enemy always comes to try to puff you up and make you feel a certain way. And he wants to get you to make a dumb decision. You see, when you feed your ego, you starve your heart. You got to get, when you feed your ego, you starve your heart. And the enemy, if he can't tempt you with just caving into certain sinful actions, what he'll do is he'll try to puff you up to a place where you start relying, oh, I got this. I'm good. I, got, I, can, I can get these things. You know what? People should be listening to me. You know what? I, I, you know. Did you know Jesus said, I only say what the Father is saying? That Jesus didn't go around thinking he was all that, it literally said, I'm nothing without him. Like he, he was, it was his humble position to just share what God was saying. So as you keep reading, it says, now when Daniel knew, everybody say Daniel knew. So Daniel knew the king signed something. It says that if anybody bows down to any other God than Darius, that would happen. They get thrown in what? A lion's den. Does that sound pretty intense? Does anybody, would anybody like that consequence if you got a speeding ticket? Could you imagine? Nobody be speeding on the roads if you got thrown into a lion's den. Nobody would even be doing the five over or the 10 over that we all, you know, we all talk. Everybody knows that the speed limit is just a suggestion that we all know that you all get places way quicker than the speed limit would, uh, would permit. But what happens it says, now when Daniel knew, this means that Daniel knows full well what the consequences would be. And this is what he does when he knows. Okay? The reason I want to say this is because sometimes people find out something to do with the government, find out something, and they, they, they purposely rebel against the government. You see, Daniel knew what the government was doing, and it says that he knew the writing was signed and he went home in his upper room and his windows opened towards Jerusalem and he knelt down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom. Everybody say his custom. You see, when you're serving the Lord and you're faithful and you're going after it, that when the government starts 
making laws that are contrary to what the Bible says, you're not just starting to get rebellious towards what that, you're just doing what you've always done. You're just doing what you've always done. You see, they're changing, but you're just going after it the same way. I'm still going to gather. I'm still going to celebrate with my beloved friend. I'm still going to come together. It's not because of what is, I'm not just doing it to make a statement. I'm doing it because his word says it, and I'm going forward with what his word says. And this it's, it's important to see that he would open his windows towards Jerusalem and pray three times a day. What does it say in Psalms? It says to pray evening, morning, and night. It says that he would go and he would pray. But the reason he would pray towards Jerusalem is because when Solomon dedicated the temple in 2 Chronicles 6, he dedicates the temple and he says that if Israel ever falls under a pagan nation and they turn towards this temple and God will answer their prayer. So the reason he would open his windows and he would face Jerusalem is because he was repenting on, we're all suffering under a pagan nation. But even if they tell me I can't, I'm going to keep praying because I know that my God is faithful and I'm going to keep believing and I'm going to keep praying. And he just keeps going after it. He keeps going after it and he doesn't care if anybody sees him because he's not opening his windows to be seen. He's opening his windows so that God sees him, so that God sees his faithfulness. He's not trying to make a statement to the left and the right. He's got an audience of one and he has a promise that if I open these windows and I pray towards that temple where it's at that God's going to deliver Israel and bring us back on top you see he had something in his heart that was so transcendent to what was going on but isn't it powerful that what was Daniel doing that caused there to be an attack from the enemy prayer what's been taken out of schools what's been what's been removed in so many things you see it's it's prayer prayer. You know why? Because we said it earlier, if you pray, you'll discover nothing's impossible. And the enemy doesn't want you to pray because he wants you to be limited. He wants you to just live based off what the world says. But when you start talking to headquarters, when you start talking to him, you don't bow down to the laws of the land. You honor him because he's the one that made the land. You know you know in your heart where that, I want everybody here, I'm not here preaching a rebellious thing. I'm here telling you that there's days coming that you're going to have to make a decision that I believe this word above what any buffoon has to say. <laughs> it's a good word. <laughs> buffoon is a good word. It is not just, I <laughs> you guys got a minute? You guys got a minute? Thank you. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. They're like, we got him. That's what the enemy does. He thinks he's got you. You know, the enemy thought he had Gold Street when we were having services still, when we were going after the things. And you know, we've just seen nothing but abundance. We've just seen nothing but increase. Not because we wanted to make a statement, but we heard from the Lord in 2020, we were to start a church and we did not hear to start an online church. We heard to start a church that's having an impact in a city going after it. And they went before the king to kiss some more butt. And they spoke concerning the king's decrees. 
Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days? You see, I got to say one more thing before we even read. All Daniel had to do was wait 30 days. You, you, got, you guys go where you know where I'm going. He's old. He could have been like, God, God, <laughs> I've been serving you for a long time. I pray every day. Can I just leave the windows closed for 30 days? Have I been serving you long enough to get a 30-day off? Just let it calm down. Let's, let's settle the curve. Let's... <laughs> Let's, let's, let's calm it down. Let's calm it down. 30 days, 30 days. But you know what Daniel said? I've been serving him my whole life. I'm not taking one day off. I'm praising the Lord. I'm praying. I'm going forward with it. I don't have time to take 30 days off. I'm not giving the enemy 30 days to run rampant in my community, in my town. People got to hear this. I'm not taking 30 days off. I'm not taking one day off. People are dying not knowing who he is. Israel needs to come back to God. And Daniel says, I'm opening my windows. I, I've, I, he's, he's, he's read the scriptures. He's read things. He knows that God is faithful. He just saw God deliver his friends from a fiery furnace. He's like, bring on the lion's den. I would have rather, he's like, I'm glad I'm not going into a fiery furnace. I can come a pussycat. I love Jesus. You see, when you, when, this is why we need each other because each other's testimonies fire us up. That you saw God deliver CJ of something. You saw God deliver Guy of something. You saw God deliver Christine of something. You just see these things and all of a sudden, you're just at a place where you're like, I'm going to see this happen in my life and I'm going to see it even more. So we got to keep going here. Um, the king answered and said, the thing is true. According to the law, you see, when you, when, you've, when you make decisions in pride, they'll come back to bite you. They'll come back to bite you. Because the king actually likes Daniel a lot. He realized he got tricked because he fed into his pride. In verse 13, it says, so they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, for the decree that you have signed, but make his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. See, they have laws in the land that even the king can't overchange because they've put it in a play. This is actually a very powerful demonstration of God and his word, that God has said things in his word that he can't change on. Do you realize that people are going to hell not because God wants them to go there, but he cannot change his word? It's that, it's that he's got to be that faithful to his word that sometimes people think that, wow, how could somebody be that harsh? Well, when your character is so resolved and everything hangs, eternity hangs on God's character and his word, he cannot change. 
This is why character, so this is why you got to be watchful, not to be whimsical. And what you got to be so, this is how God uses people that are, that are consistent, that are faithful, that don't make dumb excuses. You know, it, faithfulness is overcoming the need to have an excuse. You got to get that. Faithfulness is overcoming the need to have an excuse. Excuses are the antonym of faithfulness. The antonym of consistency. I've said it before. Excuses are making covenant with bondage. So then you get to verse 18. Well, actually, verse 16 it says, The king gave the command that they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Even the king is believing that Daniel is going to get set free. But all, all the numbskulls around him want to see him fail. But even the king is coming out of his pride, and he's praying, and he's, he says, Daniel, I know you're not where you're at because of you, that there's a God you serve. And he says, your God, whom you serve continually, you say, he doesn't, this isn't the God you met last week, Daniel. We see that you won't waver. Do people look at your life and say, wow, they always are serving God. They're always after it. You got to ask yourself these questions, especially in this hour. You see, Daniel is making an example of who God is to everybody because he's being faithful and when you're faithful, you reveal he's faithful because you're doing it for a reason that's other than just getting merit. But you're, when you spend time with the faithful one, you become faithful. He will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. This is just like Jesus, right? And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the sig signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Do you see Daniel's not even fighting this? He's already made his decision. And it says, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning, went in haste to the den of lions. He's running and he's, he starts yelling. He says, he cried, Daniel, the king spoke, saying, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I, f I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. you. What is Daniel saying? That the only time you should be fearful is if you know you've been wrong. In a sense, he's saying, I know I was perfect before. I, I know that I was had my heart right before you. So if they were going to punish me, I'm going to be delivered because I know where I stand with God. But then it goes on and says, now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever was found on him. Everybody say this, because he believed in his God. What did I say? Because I believe, you see Daniel, this is the, the, the climax right here, that Daniel, the reason he was able to go through all of that and get in this situation, you know what it says in Isaiah 11 in Revelation, it says that the lamb will lay with the lion in the new Jerusalem. What Daniel did is at that most time of heavy persecution, he brought heaven to earth with a sermon. 
that they threw him in a lion's den and the lion laid with the lamb. And what's so powerful is this. I know I'm not going to apologize. I want to share one thing. It's important that you all realize that has anybody heard of eschatology before? Eschatology is the study of end times, which we are living in. And when you study end times, there's two books that you really need to understand. And it's Daniel and it's Revelation. These books harmonize so well together. They don't make sense apart from one another. Did you know Daniel so persecuted being in a lion's den that the next three chapters, he starts seeing visions and having dreams that prophesy dates to the exact day. I want to share one with you real quick that in Daniel chapter nine, this is, he continues to pray. He continues to pray. And in Daniel, the reason I have to do this is because there's so much math involved. Can you read it with me real quick? This will help you. This is what we're doing. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Now while I was speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening. He's talking about the archangel Gabriel, just so you know. And he informed me and talked with me and said, oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out and I have come to tell you for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter. And un you see, God is releasing things to him that he's not releasing to anybody else because of his faithfulness and consistency in prayer and going after God. And this is what it says, 70 weeks. Everyone say 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince there shall be seven weeks. Everyone say seven weeks. And then it says 62 weeks. Everyone say 62 weeks. Isn't that weird? It said 70 weeks before, but now it's giving you a math equation. And I, this is crazy because it says seven weeks and then it says 62 weeks. But these, what does that add up to? 69. Now, this is talking about 69 weeks, okay? And it goes on to talk about the 70. This is where we're ending. I just want you to see how potent scripture is and you have to read all these things that 69 weeks represent years so the way you have to do this is you have to multiply the years by seven and you get to a place where you add up the days and I'll give you the math equation because I know it's hard to follow it's seven times 69 because it's weeks represent years so each day of the week is is a year and then you bring it back so it's seven times 69 equals 483 but then what you have to do is you have to multiply 483 by 360 because that's how many days are in a Jewish calendar year okay so when you do that you get seven you get 173,880 days now 
This is from talking about when Jerusalem was first built in Nehemiah, when the charge was given to rebuild Jerusalem. What's Daniel doing? He's praying towards Jerusalem. It was in Nehemiah chapter two where the charge was given to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That day that it was spoken, Daniel's now hearing the prophecy later on in life and he's speaking what the angel says and that there's a prophecy in Zechariah 9.9 that says that Jesus is going, it doesn't say Jesus, it says the Messiah is gonna come on a colt. He's gonna come on a colt and ride into Jerusalem and everyone is going to praise him. So you know when Daniel gives this prophecy about 69 weeks and he talks about the days from the time that Nehemiah said, according to Jewish calendars, when you go through the day that when Jesus rode into town on that, on that coat and everybody began to praise him, it was down to the exact day of what I just gave you about 173. It was to the exact day that Jesus said, they started telling Jesus, tell all your disciples to stop praising you. And he says this, I even if I told them to stop praising, the rocks would cry out because this was prophesied before the times began. That even if I told them to stop, the rocks would all start praising because it's prophecy. And when there's prophecy, there is not a living soul that can stop what God has. And God has said that in the end times, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And you need to get with it right now because there's been prophecy that the second return, because we're that was the 69 weeks. Well, guess what? The 70 weeks. Remember when Jesus even turned to Peter and says, hey, when you forgive, make sure you forgive 70 times seven. You just think he's given a, a little memoir, a little analogy, but he is speaking to us. And if you would just hear in every line and you stay in your prayer, you stay in the secret place, you love on Jesus and get to that, that you are going to see great things take place. Amen.